You're listening to a podcast from Washington Post Live, bringing the Post's newsroom to life on stage. Zakia Delilah Harris has made a splash with her debut novel, The Other Black Girl. Set in New York's publishing world, the thriller incorporates social commentary about diversity in the workplace and the challenges Black women often have to navigate. In this episode, Harris sits down with Washington Post Live to talk about the book that has topped many of this summer's reading lists. Let's listen. Hello, and welcome to Washington Post Live. I'm Robin Gavon, senior critic at large, and welcome to the latest installment of our Race in America series. I'm pleased to be talking today with the author, Zakia Dalila Harris. Her debut novel, The Other Black Girl, has really been making waves and is um, has also been auctioned uh, for a Hulu series. It's my pleasure to welcome Zakia Dalila Harris. Hi, Robin. How are you? Hi there. It's very nice <laughs> to see you. Thank you for joining me. Thank you so much for having me and for, for chatting with me today. Um, I wanted to just start out by asking you um, what sparked the idea for this particular story in this setting? Yes, absolutely. So I worked in book publishing myself for uh, two and a half, close to three years. Um, and while I was there, I loved a lot of parts of it. Of course, I loved editing. I loved being around authors, um, but I also loved writing. Um, so there is I mean, there are a lot of different things that sparked this book, but the one thing that really caused me to sit down and write it was um, this moment in the bathroom when I was working there still. And this other black woman came out of the bathroom stall um, and started washing her hands. And I looked at her and I remember being so baffled because I knew I was the only black woman who worked on my floor at the time. Um, and I hoped, or at least looking back, I, I'm pretty sure I gave off signals of wanting to say hello, uh, do the nod thing that I know most Black people do or what I was taught to do growing up when you see other Black people in spaces where you wouldn't normally see them um, or aren't used to seeing them. Uh, but there was no kind of interaction. Uh, so I went back to my desk and um, wasn't really thinking about her as much as I was thinking about myself and how in those few moments I had been so tense but also so excited about having this kind of connection with another black woman and hoping she would feel the same way. Um, and when that wasn't returned, uh, I sat back down at my cubicle and inserted writing chapter one, where Nella's sitting at her desk, smelling those smells of, of hair grease. One of the things that's really interesting to me is that um, the novel really uh, sort of indicts uh, the publishing industry and the way in which it sort of deals with diversity. And yet, I mean, this book was the uh, subject of like a 14 publishing house uh, battle. I mean, how surprised were you that the very industry that you were looking quite uh, somewhat harshly at was really excited about this book? I was pretty surprised. I was not expecting anything close to that level of um, you know, appreciation. It was it was really baffling and and a way a way for that to happen. Um, and I know for me, when I was writing it, um, a big part of me, even though I, I knew I had to keep going with publishing, but a part of me while I was writing knew that 
you know, this was some of this was damning in ways. And I wasn't trying to, uh, you know, specifically when I started writing, uh, talk about publishing in this way. I was really more so interested in black women and working in corporate America as the only ones. But then the more I wrote, I was like, oh, but there are all these things that I've felt about the, this industry. Um, and I feel like other people in other industries have also felt um, of being old fashioned, of being stuck in this time period of really madmen in a lot of ways it felt like uh, looking around the table. And so uh, having publishing see this book and feel like I got it right um, and were not being offended uh, was really, really great for me. One of the, the, I mean, the most fascinating relationship, of course, is between Nella, who is the original black girl, and Hazel, the more recent arrival. And um, it's a really nuanced and complicated relationship that you sort of see unfold as the story goes on. Can you talk a little bit about the difference between their their backgrounds and um, the way in which certain sort of presumptions about what those backgrounds might mean actually don't really. Yeah, yeah. So while I was writing, I was really interested in kinds of blackness um, and the ways in which we ourselves categorize blackness uh, within the black community. And so with Nella, I was really thinking, um, honestly, of a lot of my own experiences. Um, so Nella grew up in Connecticut in a suburb, um, mostly around white people. Um, she, of course, knows her history, um, knows a lot about black literature, black things, but most of her best friends were white as a young person. And so it took her a little bit of time to find uh, her community. And she doesn't find it until later on after college when she meets her best friend, Malika. Um, whereas Hazel is born and bred in Harlem, um, has really cool dreadlocks, um, and was raised around Black people, runs a, a, a a, a young women's writers group for high school in Harlem, is very involved, has has uh, grandparents who are involved in the civil rights movement. So for Nella, Hazel is this kind of person that Nella always wondered if she might have been or would have wanted to be. Uh, and it's kind of this alternative uh, Nella in a lot of ways, I like to say. Um, and so However, despite this, Nella's also natural, um, and Nella has expectations for what this relationship with Hazel is going to be like. She's like, okay, well, if Hazel was able to jump through all these crazy hoops, because there are so many hoops to get into publishing and in industries like this, um, as a Black woman especially, um, Hazel must be the same kind of Blackness as Nella is. She must be, you know, dating a certain kind of person. She must speak a certain way. And when Nella sees that Hazel isn't necessarily fitting herself into these boxes that Nella spent her entire life fitting herself into, she's really surprised and it causes friction between them. In the conversation with between Nella and Hazel, one of the first things that comes up, one of the first sort of bonding moments is the topic of hair, uh, which I know you've talked about before, but it is, I mean, hair, hair products, hair accessories, the entire universe of hair. Uh, yes. is central to uh, uh, the, the story. Why did you zero in on, on hair? Yeah, so as I mentioned before, a lot of me is in Nella, um, a ridiculous amount. <laughs> and um, 
For me, my, my hair journey has been so closely tied to my own identity as a black woman, um, as someone who wasn't secure as a younger person uh, without black friends for a while. Um, I know when I was young, I wanted to relax my hair immediately because I wanted to have ponytails. Like that was the holy grail for me as a nine, 10 year old. Um, and so I started doing that at It was such. Ooh. Did I lose you? Sorry. <laughs> Can you hear uh, me? Yeah, you froze there for just a second, but I think you're back. Okay. Sorry about that. Um, so I'll I'll start I'll start for, start over a little bit. So um, yeah, my I wanted to relax my hair. I straightened my hair for a while, um, and it was the right thing for me at the time. So I thought, but then years later, um, I had my own kind of realization through series of events. I mean, a lot of it was moving to Brooklyn as a a person in my early 20s, uh, seeing what was happening in the news. Um, Eric Garner at the time, the protests were happening all over the city. And so I ended up deciding to do the big chop one day. And it was such a big moment for me because after that, I felt so much more tied to my blackness in a, a beautiful way. I started to wonder why I was doing all of these things to my hair for the last 10 years and not to knock it for other people everyone has their own reasons but mine weren't the right ones and so i knew that would be the thing for nella uh, that even though nella and hazel grew up in very different backgrounds it's the thing that unites them um, is their natural hair but of course it's more complicated than that i'll just say <laughs> yeah yes it is i don't, I don't <laughs> want to, for there to be any spoilers here <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, in in the conversations between uh, between Hazel and and Nella, a lot of things come up that uh, people talk about um, when they are in the minority in a workplace. The idea of code switching and the idea of um, sort of the being the sensitivity police. Um, and Nella has um, reveals sort of the complicated feelings about that. Um, the sort of desire to want to speak up, but also the worry that um, by speaking up, she might say things that um, those in charge don't want to hear. Um, mm -hmm. how, how much did you, if at all, experience that? And why was it important for you to address those kinds of topics? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I have to say a lot of what Nell experienced, fortunately, were not things I specifically experienced. They were uh, moments that I've heard from other Black people, but also moments that I could completely see happening um, where I did get close to having a certain kind of situation happen. And it's like, I mean, one example um, would be just in terms of talking about the audience for a book and who would actually read this book, right? And those kind of coded um, questions were things that at the time I, as a young editorial assistant who had really, it took me a lot to get the job um, in terms of just like how much time it took, um, I didn't feel comfortable saying anything about it, honestly. And the environment of these kind of workplaces, I think uh, for a lot of people, especially young people who have been wanting to get into these spaces and finally feel like, okay, I'm here. Once I'm here, I can kind of just keep my head down and hopefully 
bring other people in. And once I get raised, uh, go up in the ranks, I'll be able to bring other people in and make this a more inclusive place. And, and so the questions of the long game versus the short game um, that are so hard to answer, and I still don't have an answer to them because everyone has their own kind of, you know, goals and their own ideas of the best way to succeed. Um, those are things I've always been thinking about. And my hope is that with this book, I'll be able to, I mean, empower other people to actually speak up in these moments because we are talking about these things and, and having these conversations that I think are just really important to making workplaces more inclusive and, and feel more inclusive for people, especially people who are just starting out um, and people who have a lot to lose. You know, for anyone who's, um, you know, sort of in the minority in an office place, one of the uh, phrases that we hear a lot is uh, being able to bring your entire self into the workplace. Can you talk a little bit about the, the nuanced way in which you, the book really sort of deals with that question and, you know, whether or not you really should bring your entire self into the workplace and what it means when you make a decision not to do so. Right, right. I mean, yeah, I think that's a great question, Robin. I think that certain jobs ask you and require you to bring different amounts of yourself to work. Um, and for publishing, I think it's really interesting because in a lot of ways it does come off or, or sometimes uh, the idea is that it is very objective. But of course, it's not, right? We're working to sell books. Um, opinions go into what, you know, the entire process of publishing a book, of, of obtaining a book and, and marketing behind the book. So there is a lot of bringing yourself to work because otherwise, you know, it's, it's not as fun, I think. Um, and so that gets more complicated, though, when there's only a certain kind of self that is represented there or that is acceptable there. Um, and for Nella, I and mean, she's had this whole idea that she can't bring a certain part of herself to work. Um, and throughout the book, we see her trying to do that and, and what that means for her. But then when Hazel's able to bring that self, um, it's of course, making Nella feel as though like, why was myself not okay? Um, and <laughs> and again, I, I think for this, there's no right answer either. I think everybody is different, but I do think that, again, we're, we as Black women and Black people are generally um, told or it's suggested very, not so subtly and sometimes very subtly, that we have to be a certain way in this workplace. Uh, we don't want to come off as the angry Black woman. We don't want to come off as, you know, the person who's too sensitive, right? But other people often are not given those same boundaries. Um, but I will say, of course, that women in general, we, there is a history of all women not being able to, to bring their full selves to work too. And so there are a lot of layers to that. Um, and even with Nella and her, her white coworkers, the women in her uh, workplace, they also are negotiating their own kind of boundaries too. I mean, uh, no one's off the hook in this book, uh, I'll just say. Yeah, I, I was going to say that, um, you know, it speaks to, I think, a lot of different audiences because certainly, you know, a woman who is the lone woman uh, on, in a workplace mm -hmm. would find much to relate to in this. 
And, and it also, Definitely. I'm curious about the tension also between, um, within Noah and the idea that on the one hand, she is excited to see this other black girl appear. But on the other hand, there is a kind of, uh, uh, you know, she had gotten used to, accustomed to this place that she occupied in the company as being the only one. I mean, how, I mean, can you talk just a little bit about how you developed that um, sort of tension with Anella? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I was really thinking about the ways in which we are often pitted against one another um, for various reasons. Again, sometimes on purpose and oftentimes not. It's very subtle. But there is that expectation, of course, that there can only be one of us. Um, and that's often because we are only seeing one of us in a lot of situations. And for Nella, she has been the only one. Um, she feels like um, she's been playing the long game um, and kind of assumed everybody else would have to do it. And so she's envious of Hazel, partly because it's a different case for Hazel. Um, but she also feels really guilty about that envy, too. Um, but I think that envy is so real, and it's one that we need to talk about um and we need to talk about where that comes from um there that possessiveness even though nella didn't love her co-worker she wants to still be shining in their eyes um and these are all really sticky feelings to talk about and and weird and i i definitely when i was writing was a little nervous because i was like oh, i don't want to <laughs> i don't want to portray black women in this way and it's a fine line because we're often not allowed to be you know certain ways with with uh well certain ways in general in literature but also with each other there's this expectation that we are all going to just get along um but i really wanted to dig into those feelings because i i do think that it's something uh, especially after hearing from people black readers about this book that it's something that they totally understood um in hazel i often hear is uh, some people <laughs> see themselves, parts of themselves in Hazel or see why Hazel is the way she is. And that's really what I wanted. What you really get into the idea of, you know, ambition and competitiveness and that, um, you know, that really delicate ground between uh, wanting to be a supportive colleague to another black uh, person, but at the same time, recognizing that in many cases, you know, professional uh, uh, success is is a kind of competition, and uh, and sometimes that competition is is quite healthy. Right, right, definitely. Well, and there's also this this kind of idea too. I mean, we are supposed to help each other up. That is the the thing that I was told as a young person in terms of we are supposed to, you know, if we're looking around the table and we don't see other people who look like us there, if we don't help them in, who else will? That's, I know when I was younger, my dad would say that about characters I was writing because when I was very young, I was writing white characters because that was mostly what I was around. Um, but he would say, you know, if you don't write black characters, who will? Um, which is huge and important, but it's also a lot of responsibility. 
Um, and sometimes that responsibility on top of all of the other responsibilities and feelings that we're you know, representing everyone, we have to always be looking out for one another. So important, but also sometimes it's just a lot and you just want to, to be and accepting and just admitting that you just want to be sometimes and don't always want to have to be representing black thought. You don't always have to be this or that. that those are all pressures and things that again, it's been really interesting talking to, to other people about because we're often just looking at the end goal, but we're never actually getting to talk about what goes, what that means, what goes into working our way up these mostly white spaces, working our way up these ladders in these mostly white spaces, I should say. And, and then there's also the character of, of Kendra Ray, who um, is of sort of a different generation uh, than Nella and Hazel. And uh, I mean, her experience is is quite different. I mean, why was it important to you to have that um, that generational um, aspect to the novel? Yeah, I, I know for me, when I was working in publishing, um, I would often talk to other Black people who have been in spaces like that, where they've been the only one, or they've been one of two. I know, again, talking about my dad again, but he also uh, had a similar uh, situation where he was the only Black person, in, or one of very few in a mostly white uh, company in the 90s. And to hear all of the things that he would tell me, um, I mean, Clearly, a lot has changed in the last 30 years, but also a lot hasn't changed, just as 30 years before that, and so on and so on. And so when I was writing this book, I first had Nella's perspective. I knew Kendra Ray and Diana would be a big part of why Nella decides to be at Wagner Books, because Kendra Ray, of course, was an editor at Wagner Books years before. Um, but I also knew there was more to her story. The more I wrote, I was like, this can't be all sunshine. Like there has to be more to it. Uh, just as we often romanticize the past um, and sometimes we have to in order to keep moving forward, you know? And so writing Kendra Ray's character for me was important because I wanted to, again, comment on how much has changed, um, specifically in this case, it's in the publishing industry, um, but also how much really hasn't changed, how there are these waves of blackness is in, blackness is cool, like everybody uh, will spend their dollars on this fad or on this, you know, this this black uh, writer, this, this kind of thing. But then of course, when things are not going as well, uh, suddenly we don't want to be involved with that anymore. Um, and I was really interested in the ways in which Blackness is commodified uh, because that happens, I think, over and over and over again. Um, it, it, we see it in pop culture, we see it in music, all of those things. And so, I yeah, it was just really fun and important for me to show those generational uh, strands happening at the same time. And I mean, Ken, and to be uh, clear, I mean, Kendra Ray sort of speaks. She speaks up. She speaks her mind. She speaks the truth as she sees it and uh, it's, it's not rewarded for doing so. Yes, I was just going to say she is also just as Hazel, I think, is like someone that I kind of in another life like think of me being. I think Kendra Ray is also that person I wish I could be in some ways, not always, but <laughs> some ways. 
Well, one of the, you, you just mentioned the idea of sort of commodifying blackness and the, the book does sort of deal with the way in which uh, the publishing industry sort of zeroes in on the topics of the moment and, um, you know, and elevates those stories that deal with those topics. I mean, do you, how important do you think just sort of the timing and the zeitgeist, zeitgeist was um, to the acceptance of this book by the publishing industry? I mean, do you think that they would have been as open to it five years ago, 10 years ago? That's a great question. Um, it's funny because, I mean, in the book, I, I, I do talk about those a uh, wave of, you know, diversity meetings are happening. Time to have everybody sit in on this because this event happened, a police shooting, um, and then months later, everyone forgets about it. Um, and so that wave that I was talking about in the book, I was thinking of the wave I talked about earlier of uh, Eric Garner, Philando Castile, like that happened five or six years ago. Um, so then uh, to have last year happen um, was pretty wild, but it actually was, I mean, I sold the book in February, 2020. So it was before uh, Breonna Taylor and George Floyd. Um, but that doesn't quite answer your question. I mean, five, five, six years ago, maybe, but I do think, um, even though I can be pretty cynical about if this wave, this latest wave is actually making a change. Um, I mean, I do think that we've made some progress uh, since the last five, 10 years. So I do think that this book, um, especially in terms of how black it is, um, there are references in it, there are black hair uh, conversations in it that are really not explained. Um, and I do think that a lot of things that have happened in recent years, I mean, Insecure, uh, Issa, the rise of Issa Rae, the rise of uh, Jordan Peele, of course. Um, I do think that there is now, I mean, there's always been an audience for these kinds of works, of course. We've been out there, but I think now that a lot of these things have made mainstream, um, I do think that had a lot to do with this book, uh, Finding a Home. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, I think about it a lot too in terms of timing, like how interesting it was that it really was months before um, the year we had last year. It was so meta working on the book, the edits during the protest last year. Well, and also what you, what you just said about there are these references in the book uh, that go unexplained. And I mean, I think for a lot of people reading who do get those references, um, I mean, it seems like I think they will, will appreciate that, that in this book, their experience is uh, the central experience. It's not the, you know, and also experience. Yeah, definitely. And that was really important for me. I mean, uh, people have asked if I did it on purpose or if I had any pushback? And the answer was really no, for the most part. I, I was writing from my firsthand experience, my firsthand conversations, um, and I, you know, it all just continued on. I never um, heard from editors or, or readers saying, you know, maybe you should tone this down. Um, and I'm thankful or for that. Because what 4A or 4B is in hair care. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. A kitchen, right? Like I have heard so many people tell me they have Googled these things and they were so happy they did and they know so much more. Um, it's just what we've been doing for, for years. <laughs> and the next journey for this story is television. 
can you just talk a little bit about what what is going to be happening and how you feel about seeing these characters in three, you know, in, in two dimension? Yeah, walking and breathing, it's, it's so wild. Um, I truly never, I never imagined that happening. Um, but yeah, so I am uh, co-writing the uh, TV uh, pilot at the moment with Rashida Jones for Hulu. So it's been an adventure. Um, she's wonderful. She's been a wonderful mentor. And I've learned so much just over the past few months. Um, and the thing that's been so much fun uh, has been really getting to just dip into people, really dive into people that uh, I did not get to dive into that much in the book. Um, because, of course, I really wanted to focus on Anella and Kendra Ray and Shawnee and Diana. But getting to go into uh, Nella's personal life a little more, getting to really explore the, the history of Wagner books, it's been so much fun. And I think people are really going to enjoy it. I know I will. <laughs> but <I'm biased. laughs> well, congratulations on that. And I'm afraid we're going to have to end here because we're out of time. Uh, but thank you so much uh, for joining me today. Of course. Thank you so much, Robin. This was such a nice chat. And um, uh, to check out other interviews, please head to WashingtonPostLive.com to register and you'll find all the information about upcoming programs. I'm Robin Gavon for The Washington Post, and thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for listening. To hear more interviews from this series and other Washington Post Live programs, visit us at WashingtonPostLive.com.